the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Law Office of Robert Bergman. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is Bob Bergman. I'm going to start the show today uh, on a sad note. Um, A good friend of mine, Brian Recton, who actually is a major player at KDOW. He's in outside sales and also works directly with uh, hosts such as myself, uh, assisting us with our shows. Um, Brian and his wife lost their son, Tyler, to a tragic accident about a week ago. Um, It was a driving accident, and their son did not survive. And and so... um, I want to, first of all, send all my love and prayers to Brian and his wife. And I'd like to take a brief moment of silence to honor the memory of Brian's son, Tyler. Okay, I'm back. If you just tuned in and wondered why there was dead air time, it's because I was honoring the memory of Tyler Recton, uh, son of uh, Brian Recton, who works for KDOW and KFAX and 860 The Answer, uh, working with hosts such as myself. And I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that. Brian, if you're listening, I love you, man. I love you, brother. And um, just know that I'm with you there. My thoughts and my prayers are with you and your wife and your family in this time. Now, I'm coming up on one year on the air with this show, and I have seen it evolve over the past year or so. I uh, will say I, I enjoy doing this show quite a bit, and I hope those of you who listen to me regularly, you know who you are, that you've enjoyed it as well. I've brought a lot of information, tried to pack a lot of things into my shows. Probably the most popular thing I've had so far is all of the questions and comments that I get from around the Bay Area and throughout the state, where I try to answer those situations and give some legal insights to uh, sometimes very common situations that people find themselves involved in or find themselves afflicted with over time. Now, I am taking calls today, 
If you'd like to call with a question on the air, um, Marco, my engineer, is standing by to take those calls. It's 800-516-1220. And you could also, if you'd like, you could also email me at radio at lawbob.com. That's radio, R-A-D-I-O, at lawbob, L-A-W-B-O-B dot com. And... Um, Okay, okay. Actually, I do, <laughs> I do actually have a, an email request right now. Let's see if I can address that right now. Um, says, I own an LLC with my sister, and my share of the LLC is my separate property. I did not put my LLC share in a separate trust, and I do not have a revocable living trust with my husband. If something happens to me, Will my LLC share have to go through the probate process? And who will get my share of the LLC? And um, this is Daphne. Uh, says, thank you if you could answer that on the radio. So Daphne, if you're listening, I'm going to answer that for you right now. And this is probably a question that comes up in general terms. If you have property that is property separate from your marriage as opposed to property owned by a marriage here in California, which is called community property. What I'm about to say is kind of the general rule for that separate property. First of all, in reference to will the LLC share have to go through the probate process, that is going to depend on a number of factors. The primary factor is if this is the only thing you own that is separate property, it has to you have to have a determination of what is the value of that share of this LLC. LLC is limited liability company uh, for those of you who aren't sure what I'm talking about. So that's what an LLC is. If the value of that LLC is less than $150,000 value, then that means the property could be passed on without going through the whole probate process using a small estate affidavit under 13100 of the probate code. That's section 13100 of the probate code. If it's valued at more than that, then probate would probably be necessary for that LLC share. Now, the second question, who will get the share of the LLC? that is actually pretty straightforward as well. If you're married and you don't have children, then your separate property goes to your spouse. In this case, Daphne, it would go to your husband and he would be the one to inherit. He would either inherit through the probate process or he would be entitled as the surviving spouse to use the affidavit of small estate value and deliver it to um, to your sister that you own the LLC with and say, now, now Daphne's share of the LLC is my share of the LLC. The analysis changes, Daphne, if you and your husband or if just you have one or more children. If you have one child, separate property will be divided under the law this is intestate succession. There's no will. There's no plan of any kind. It would be divided 50-50 
between your child and your spouse. So half would go to your spouse, half would go to your child. If you have two or more children, then the division changes. It then becomes two-thirds go to your children, plural, and one-third would go to your spouse. And it doesn't matter how many children there are as long as there's two or more. Um, they would share two-thirds. Your spouse would share one-third. So if there's a concern about this LLC share and uh, you don't even have a living trust with your spouse right now, you might want to at least consider doing planning that puts your separate property, whatever it may be, it may be more than just this LLC share, that is put into a trust so you can decide where that property is going to go um, when you pass away. If you don't want it to go to your spouse, then it becomes kind of imperative that you do something like go ahead and uh, put that into a separate trust uh, where the trust owns that and then you can pass it on the way that you wish. Well, we're coming up um, in about a minute and a half or so on the first break of the day and I thought I'd cover one more situation that comes out of Los Angeles. Um, in this case, uh, well, actually, we're we're down to about a minute now. I don't think we'll have time to really jump into this one. I'll get it started, then we'll pick up after the break. Here's someone where mom has gifted lots of assets to her children and um, and basically has gifted a bunch of things out to the children. But then one of the children died intestate, meaning no will or anything like that. 95% of this child's assets were gifts from mom. So now everything's going to go back to mom per the uh, pursuant to the probate code. So the question becomes, is there anything they can do to avoid the problem of mom getting that property back? Well, stay tuned until after the break, and we'll talk about that more. Until then, this is Bob Bergman, estate planning attorney. Talk with you after the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, Attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. Before the break, I was talking about a situation where a mother had made extensive gifts to her children, uh, and then one of the children died. 95% of that child's assets were gifts from the mother, which means that these prop, this property, because the child died intestate, meaning no last will and testament, under the probate law, all of that child's assets will go right back to the mother who gave them to her in the first place. So the question became, since the mom has used a portion of her gift tax exemption, which is a federal tax exemption for excessive gifts made to people, it's about $11.4 million, so I'm not sure why the family's concerned about this, but they wanted to know, is there a way for the mother to disclaim the property so she doesn't have to use more of her exemption to give the assets back to the other children? Uh, the problem is that mom disinherited one of one of the children in her trust, and if she disclaims any of the deceased child's assets through probate, 
the disinherited sibling will be entitled to a share. That's also true. So any other means to go about this to avoid having to re-gift the same assets and use up more of her exemption? The short answer is no, not really. Because of the lack of estate planning all the way around there, um, the mom's going to get the assets back. And if she wants to gift them to the other children and have nothing go to the one been, that's been left out or disinherited, she's going to have to gift them all over again and use up more of her gift tax exemption. It's it's kind of like the um, the horse has left the barn and the barn door is left open and there's no way to close it. Uh, the horse has already left. Um, that's kind of the way it is. Here's some wants to know that they're the trustee of their mother's estate and has spent and they've spent over a hundred hours on various things to help settle the estate, probably put in another fifty hundred hours. Wants to know is it reasonable to charge five thousand dollars as a fee to handle this? The trust doesn't say anything about charging fees. Well, kind of the general rule of thumb for trustees paying themselves is if they're a professional trustee, an attorney, CPA, licensed fiduciary, they can charge their normal hourly rate to act um, as the as the trustee of a trust. A trust company typically will charge a percentage. For someone who's not a professional, they can charge what is considered to be the ordinary hourly rate for non-professional trustees in the community they happen to live. Here in San Jose, where I live, Right now, I think that's generally considered to be about $25 to $30 an hour. Uh, to charge that, though, you need to keep track of your time, keep a record of everything that you did, maybe even start times, finishing times, so that when you actually pay yourself and you let people know I'm paying myself, you might want to run that by the other beneficiaries to make sure they understand what's going on, give them a chance to object if they don't object, then probably 25 to $30 an hour is considered reasonable for a non-professional trustee. Now, here's someone in San Jose. Uh, parents are now deceased. Uh, says, I'm the trustee of their estate, but my sister's now telling me that our father left the house only to her, and I haven't seen any documentation on this. What's the process in implementing the will and trust. Well, I'd say the first thing to do is if you're the trustee and you have the will and the trust, first thing you take the will, you take it downtown to Superior Court, 191 North 1st Street here in San Jose, and you lodge or file the will with the probate court. The next thing is go through the records or contact someone like me to look up the property and see what the current vesting information is on the property. If your father maybe had transferred the property to your sister, that would be in the public record. Um, if it's still in the trust, then you're in charge of it, and you follow whatever the trust says. So um, saying the father left the house to your sister, if she's saying that, she's got to produce some proof of that, and that would probably be a deed or something along those lines. If there is no such deed, it sounds like you're in charge and uh, and you're the one that decides what happens based on what the trust says. Now, here's a, a really, really horrible situation. Here's someone who lives in a family home. 
lives in the family home. Mother died November of last year. And the last amendment to mom's trust, where sister became the successor trustee, um, this person was given six months to clear out of mom's house and then it would be sold. The other siblings agreed to sell their shares in a vacation home owned by mom in Florida uh, to be paid out of the, this person's inherited portion once the, the property in California closed escrow. Otherwise, there would be no means for this person to buy that house or find another one. So a purchase agreement was signed for the Florida home, but now the sister who's the trustees wants the person to get out of the house right away and is threatening to rip up the agreement and sell the Florida property to the first reasonable offer if this person's not out by March 1st. Now, that clearly violates what the trust says, where it said this person gets six months to move out of the property. Question is, is are these actions criminal, or what civil actions could I take? Well, the civil action might very well be to immediately petition the Superior Court here. This is in Santa Clara County. Here in Santa Clara County, um, maybe even on an emergency basis, maybe even an ex parte petition, you want to get a good trust and estate um, litigation attorney. I would recommend, for example, somebody like Steve Pacconi uh, in San Jose. He's a great guy. He's done a lot of work for clients of mine. And that person can start the process to maybe have this sister who sounds like an out-of-control trustee removed from being in charge of anything. This kind of behavior, uh, I see this now and then when someone's put in charge of an estate or a trust after a parent's died. They think that means that, they, that they're the dictator and the absolute ruler of everything. And what they don't realize is if you're acting as a trustee, you have to bend over backwards to make sure that nothing that you do adversely affects the interests of the beneficiaries of the trust. You basically work for them. You have what's called a fiduciary relationship, which means you have to take actions to benefit the beneficiaries. You can't take actions that harm them or their interests in any way. Otherwise, you can be removed as the trustee of the trust. And if you caused financial loss or hardship to beneficiaries, you might have those financial losses charged back against your share of the trust when the smoke clears after you've been replaced as the trustee. So we're coming up on the midpoint of the show now. And um, after the break, I'm going to come back with more estate planning situations around the state. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. You can always give me a call at 800-516-1220 if you want to ask a question on the air. 800-516-1220. So until after the break, this is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, Plan Your Estate Radio, and I will talk with you after the break. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. As we head into the third segment of the show today, I'm going to pick up where I left off and start talking about some more situations 
uh, in and around the state of here in California and uh, what can be done. Now, here's kind of an interesting one. Someone set up a charitable remainder trust. Let me explain what that is. That's a special type of irrevocable, not revocable or changeable trust, where whoever set the trust up, they're entitled to get income coming from the trust, typically for their lifetime or for a set number of years, which can't be more than 20. Um, And uh, then when that person dies, everything left in the trust goes to one or more charities, hence the charitable remainder. The remaining assets go to a charity. These can have significant tax benefits for uh, someone setting them up. They can write off the present value of the future gift to charity against their current income. Combined sometimes with an insurance trust, the money coming out of a charitable trust could be gifted over to a life insurance trust to pay for uh, life insurance that will not be part of somebody's taxable estate and can create an asset that's also asset protected. So there's a lot of different things going in here. Now here... There's a charitable trust. The husband's passed away. And I can't tell from this if the husband was actually the one who is um, who is the, the one who is receiving the income. But this person says the beneficiaries need to be changed. Is that called an amendment to the trust? Do I need witnesses to sign it? Do I need it notarized? Well, first of all, If it's a charitable trust that was set up by the husband and he's died, the charities in there are entitled to the property that's left there. So it's kind of done. There's no way to change anything like that. However, if it's a charitable trust where this person who's asking the question is still the beneficiary getting the income and wants to change the ultimate beneficiaries, the only way to really do that is to get the remainder beneficiaries that are named to agree to that. And that probably also has to be done through the courts uh, if the husband was also one of the creators of the trust. So the short answer is you probably can't change the beneficiaries at all on a charitable remainder trust. And even if you could, the likelihood is that the present charitable remainder beneficiaries would not consent to being changed or their interests diluted in the future or even being removed entirely. So I think that's probably a hard no to that one there. Now, here is a situation that's probably not uncommon. A person in Los Angeles bought a house 20 years ago when married. At the time, wife signed a quitclaim deed to the house After they bought it together. Now, the quit claim basically said, I give all of my interest in this property now and what I may acquire in the future to this house, to you, my husband. Ten years later, this person created a separate living trust naming son as beneficiary. So the question is, after I die, will my wife get any ownership of the property Or will it go to our son as the beneficiary? My wife gets nothing. Is it possible she could contest the trust and prevent our son from getting it? It's an apartment building. So that suggests there's a lot of income and a lot of value there. Is property ownership determined by the deed? 
the taxes, mortgage insurance, or community property law? It's an excellent question. And there's not a really clear answer. I could say it's a definite um, yes to the deed, um, possibly to the community property law, maybe to the community property law. The issue is what the effect of the quitclaim deed is. And generally, a quitclaim means that you're giving up all interest you have now or may acquire in the future. So um, specifically, that would suggest that even if the wife asserted some kind of a claim to some part of this property, uh, if the husband dies first, the quit claim might be able to be asserted saying that she gave up any interest to that, including any interest she might acquire in the future. It went to the husband. The husband put it in the trust to go to the son. Um, however, people can take actions along the way that could upset all of that. And we don't know what the husband may have done or not done since all that happened 20 years ago when the quit claim was filed and 10 years ago when the separate trust was set up. But the answer is probably not successfully. I think everything would go to the son in that situation. Okay, here, anyone out there have any member of their family that they would never want to get anything, no matter what, even if they were the last living member of the family, you'd rather everything go to charity than go to that family member? Well, we call that disinheriting somebody. And that's saying that no matter if they're entitled to something normally, they're not getting anything. Here's someone in Los Angeles that's asked the question, do I have to specifically say by name the people I am disinheriting in my living trust? This person, we'll call her Jane. Jane has seven children. I want to leave everything to my son, Johnny, and he's the beneficiary of my living trust. When writing my trust, do I have to specifically name my other six children that I'm disinheriting? Uh, so like saying, here are my children, but I'm not giving them anything. What are the odds one of the other children could contest the trust after I die and come after property, which I decided to leave only to one child? Well, let me tell you, first and foremost, you have the right to leave your property to anyone that you want. Unlike some countries and other parts of the world where children are entitled to receive a percentage of their parents' estate no matter what, in the case of uh, the United States, you can decide to leave property to children or anyone you wish. In this case, I think the best practice is to name the children and specifically state, state that they are receiving nothing. Now, another thing to address is Maybe they're not receiving anything. What if the child you want to leave it to dies, has no children? Then where does it go? Well, then it goes to your next of kin, your, your nearest relatives. So it won't go to your children because you disinherited them, but it may go to their children, your grandchildren. So another question to ask is, am I disinheriting the bloodline or just the children? Am I disinheriting... Um, my children, just them, or am I including my children and their descendants, their children and their grandchildren, which would be my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren? So those are questions. I think the best practice is always to name and then exclude. If you're silent about it, 
then you're opening up a potential challenge. I will say, though, you can't stop someone from challenging the trust no matter what on a whole bunch of different grounds, uh, disinheriting them, even putting in what's called a no contest provision that says if you contest this, you're getting nothing. Well, that clearly won't work against somebody who's already getting nothing. Saying you don't get anything if you fight about it is meaningless if they're already not getting anything. So that's kind of a a long-winded answer to the question, but I think you definitely name and then exclude. That is the best way to do it in my my experience. Now, here's someone said, my ex-husband died owing $160,000 in back child support. How do I ensure my children receive some of the proceeds from his estate? Now, the ex-husband lives in Pennsylvania. Says here, the family's completed the obituary, but left out my children. Wow, that's cold. I know he received an inheritance from his father and had properties in Pennsylvania. Obviously, the family's in no use resolving any outstanding balance of child support owed. I'd like my children to at least receive that from his estate. What do I need to do and how do I do it? Well, here's the deal. This person better get themselves an attorney in Pennsylvania right away, find out what the status of the will or probate is, and probably file a claim in the estate of the ex-husband for the back child support. If that has been reduced to a judgment here in California and there's an award of that, that needs to be submitted in Pennsylvania because it sounds like the family there is not going to make any effort to um, to make sure that that claim gets paid, uh, the back child support gets paid. $160,000 is a lot of money. That's worth getting an attorney to represent your interests in Pennsylvania to make sure that if there's money in the estate, it gets paid. Now here, here, is it possible to petition the probate court to review a family trust? Okay, it looks like... Um, We're three years into resolution of the trust. I'm a beneficiary. My sister, the trustee, has been caught in numerous lies as to the amount of money she took from the trust previous to my father's death. She was writing checks to herself without any authorization for up to $300,000. She won't account for these funds. She's continuing to spend the funds, and there appears to be no end. I want to know, is there a simple way to petition the court to review the situation and ask her to fly right? Well, I'll tell you what. You're going to have to wait until after the break to find out just what can be done there. So, we're coming up on the third break of the show. This is attorney Bob Bergman of Plan Your State Radio. Uh, give me a call, 800-516-1220, if you'd like to ask a question on the air. But until after this break, you'll have to wait to hear what happens to the saga of the sisters spending all of Dad's trust money. This is attorney Bob Bergman. Talk with you after the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. Before the break, I was talking about a situation where a a sibling who is a trustee of a parent's trust was apparently uh, writing checks to herself 
without any authorization for $300,000 total. The parent passed away. There's been no accounting for the funds. The funds continue to be spent by the sister. This is three years in, uh, apparently three years after the father died. And the question was, is there a simple way to petition the court to review the situation and ask the sister to fly right? This is not a simple situation at all. This is a situation where the rest of the family needs to get together. They need to go to court immediately, try to get a restraining order against the sister spending anything else, have her removed as the trustee and force her to account for all the money that she's spent because she's basically stealing from the trust if she's spending money without authorization, taking money out, writing it to herself. This would be no different then this is just Bernie Madoff on a smaller level. Um, someone basically stealing the money that belongs to other people. So this is not a simple thing. I'm astonished to hear that someone has waited three years with this going on and apparently started before the father passed away and hasn't done anything. Um, you know what? You do that long enough and eventually you run out of the right to complain uh, with something called latches. Latches is a legal doctrine that says if you have legal rights and you don't pursue them within a certain amount of time, eventually you lose those rights. You can't bring it up years and years and years later because the time to bring it up is now when the problem's going on. Now, here's someone that says, before my grandpa died, he told me he needed my Social Security number because he was putting me in his will. Shortly after that, he died, and that was in July of 2018. So that's been some time ago. Um, I have no way to contact other parts of my family. I don't know what happened to assets or money. Well, I would say, first of all, get someone or you go yourself and go to the probate court in the county where Grandpa lived and look in the records and see if his will was ever filed there. Um, it, it's possible he said he was going to do that and he never got around to doing things. Maybe he set up a trust or something, but at least start with that. If there's a will on file and it says you get something and you were never notified, well, you know, then you may have some kind of claim against whoever's handling things. There may be something going on right now that you're unaware of, but you need to be proactive here and go out and see what you can find. Okay, here's a question. How do some lawyers or notaries verify the mental capacity of someone signing a trust in front of them? This person said, I've heard that some lawyers will allow people who have been diagnosed with dementia to sign in front of them if they can determine through questioning that the person has a good grasp as to why they're signing the document, who will take over trustee if the spouse signing with them dies first. They use their judgment to make that determination, while other lawyers would never allow the person with such a diagnosis to sign a trust, a power of attorney, etc. What's the legality of such a trust where a person would be signing away their power of attorney without mental capacity? Well, I'd say, first of all, if a person actually does not have mental capacity, this person would be absolutely right. Um, there's no real authority to uh, have someone sign that or notarize it or anything like that.
legal capacity. Attorneys kind of are. At the same time, I have had clients that have had mild dementia diagnoses. It doesn't mean that they're now mentally incompetent. It may mean they're forgetful. It may mean that they have good days and bad days. For me as an attorney, what's important is if I am meeting with somebody and they can communicate to me, this is who I am, this is my family, These are this is the wishes that I have in distributing my property. They understand who the who the people are that, that are important to them, that are their family. And as long as they can show that they're oriented to time and place and who the people are and they can communicate with me, just because they have a dementia diagnosis doesn't mean they lose their ability to do estate planning. It's a different standard than for uh, entering into a contract or something like that. But doing estate planning has a different approach. So some attorneys might do that. Uh, some attorneys, if they're questionable, they'll want to get a doctor's opinion to support that it's okay for the person to sign. There's really no specific answer to the question other than it depends. So we're coming up on the end of the show today. I hope you've learned some things. Daphne, I hope you got the answer you were looking for. Um if you have other questions you'd like to have answered on the air, if you just have any question, you can email me at radio at lawbob.com. I do want to remind you I do have seminars on living trust planning and special planning for retirement plan assets. My next seminars will be Saturday morning, March the 16th, in my new office here in San Jose. I hope at least some of you could consider going to lawbob.com and registering through there to come in. Well, I've had a good time today. I hope you have, too. I see the sun has come out here in San Jose, which is great. So until next week, this is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman in San Jose, host of Plan Your Estate Radio. And I just want to say goodbye and have a great weekend. Talk with you next week. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars, L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com, or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.